2 Samuel 15. 2 Samuel 15, 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And it came to pass after forty years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode in Jeshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed unto, uh, to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor from a city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. And it came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity um, that you've given me to uh, bring forth the message from your word tonight. And Lord, I just pray that um, you'd help me to be a vessel that's, that you can use uh, to speak to hearts. Um, Lord, I know that none of us can do anything without you, and so I just pray that you would help us with your word tonight, and thank you so much for all your grace and love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Absalom um, has taken over the kingdom from David, and this is, um, this is the situation that David's in. His, his kingdom has just been overrun by Absalom, who's been plotting this thing for 40 years, and he's stolen the hearts of the children of Israel. And so the whole nation essentially is against David. All he has is his close servants um, that are with him, and he's fleeing. And as this, is the, the, um, this is the Lord's people, the nation of Israel, that God has given to David to be a king over. And it's a huge responsibility that he has. And David's probably thinking in his mind, um, I messed up. I did something wrong. Uh, you know, this is my responsibility and the kingdom is, is being taken over by somebody who's not meant to be on the throne. Probably had a lot of questions. What's going on? You know, um, why is this happening? What am I doing? And it seemed like the whole nation was against him. Um, so that is, that's the, the story behind Psalm 3. Because Psalm 3 is a psalm that David wrote, that David penned by inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, in the midst of this situation that was happening. And so the message tonight is actually going to be in Psalm 3. but So let's turn to Psalm 3 real quick. Psalm chapter 3. 
And in your Bible, it probably says a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So we know this is the situation that David was in when he penned the words to Psalm 3. I'm going to read Psalm 3 as you guys get there. Psalm chapter 3. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone, thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Verses 5 and 6 show David in the middle of this situation where he's fleeing from Absalom and he lays down and goes to sleep and he has peace enough to have a good night's rest. Um, that's, and then he says in verse 6, I'll not be afraid of 10,000 of people that have set themselves against me round about. And I think if we look in our own lives, um, we could probably say we, don't, we won't ever be in a situation where there are thousands of people that are, that are specifically against us as an individual. But David literally had this situation in his life where the whole kingdom, their heart was turned to Absalom and they were against David. And in the middle of that, he said, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. And it's just incredible. How could David have this peace in the midst of a nation with all this chaos going on? And he didn't see it coming. It just happened out of nowhere. Um, and, and everything is going wrong. And he has peace. And he's able to lay down at night and, and sleep well, trusting in the Lord even though his life is in danger and the whole kingdom is turned upside down. So how does, how does David have peace? And that's the point of the message tonight is truths, comforting truths that can give us peace in trouble. And these are things that David realized and these are things that David wrote in this psalm as he thought about the Lord and as he depended on the Lord. So the first point that I'm going to tell you guys tonight is that God is merciful. Amen. Thank God for his mercy. Um, verses 1 and 2 say, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there's no help for him in God. Selah. Um, you think about how there are so many people against David, and we have this in our own lives. When we think about all the lost people of the world, you know, we read, um, we read in John chapter 15, that we're not of the, of the world, and so the world hates us, because the world loves its own, but it would hate those that are not of the world, and this is something we experience every day as, as we see what's going on around us. There are people that hate God. There are people that don't believe in God. There are people that would, um, that would uh, show, um, that would be mean or have um, some kind of negativity towards us for believing in God and for being Christians. And this is what David was experiencing. And so that's why he says in those first two verses, they're increased that trouble me. Like the number of people that are troubling him are growing. And the, he's in the middle of the situation. 
And I was just thinking it's amazing how how God would allow, how God allows people to be in our lives that affect us in a negative way. And he, he even allows a lot of people possibly to be in our lives that affect us negatively. And it's amazing how merciful God is. You think about before we were saved, we all have a different testimony. We all lived a different amount of time before we got saved. But we all had a time where every breath we, we breathed is God's mercy. We, he's allowing us to live longer so that we could possibly hear the gospel and accept Christ. And um, so really, we're just like those people that could trouble us in our lives and all the lost people in the world where there's mercy for us and there's mercy for those people as well. And that's why they're here and that's why they can have a negative impact on us, why they could have a negative impact on David because God was merciful to them and we were all there once. Um, And the point that I guess I'm getting at is if God will allow people um, to be out there that hate him and that don't believe in him, that can hurt us as Christians or persecute us, if he's merciful to them, he's probably merciful to his own children, isn't he? Um, And we're his children, and so you just think about the awesome mercy of God. He's so merciful to us, and it's it's just so wonderful to have that peace knowing that God is merciful. Um, When we think of our shortcomings, God forgives every one of them. He paid for every one of them on the cross. So God is merciful. That's point number one. God is merciful. And uh, I just want to look real quick. Um, You don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 5, the apostles were being persecuted. Um, It says, When they called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. It's so wonderful to see how the apostles um, had this perspective of understanding the Lord's mercy and, and the Lord's goodness and being able, being able to be counted worthy to suffer for his name. And that's something that I think we're, we're missing sometimes in, in this time. As we have people that, that are increased around us, that trouble us, like David, um, it, it's amazing to be counted worthy just to suffer for the name of Christ. So we're, we just got to think of that perspective and be so thankful for God's mercies. And that gives us peace. Second point, uh, I'm going to read verse number three, just the first part. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Thou art a shield for me. David, he starts off with saying, you know, it's so difficult. There's all these people around me that are troubling me. But he turns around, thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. And I don't have another scripture reference for this one because the entire Bible is filled with times in which God is a shield for somebody. Um, all throughout Psalms, it says, he's my fortress. He's, he's the rock of my salvation. He's my strong tower. All these instances of protection from God, the way that God protects us. And you think of a shield and how it protects. Um, but God is a shield that can protect us from anything. You know, there are a lot of ways that we can be protected in our lives. We can depend on a lot of things. But God is a shield that protects from everything. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have lions in your life, but Daniel was protected from the lions, right? Um, maybe if we see some bears or something, we'll have a shield from the bears, right? But uh, God protected Daniel from the lions. He protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire. He protected Israel from 
our five armies gathered together against them at one time. And they, they were able to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Um, all throughout the Bible, God protects his people so faithfully. And God is our shield, and that can give us peace and trouble. It's one of the reasons why David said, I'll not be afraid of 10,000s of people set around about me. Because God is a shield, and he's a shield from absolutely anything. And there's nothing that can get past the shield that God is to us. So God is merciful. God is a shield. And the next part of verse number three, just two words, my glory, my glory. It's two words, but it says a lot. My glory. David was saying that God is the only, the really, truly only good thing in his life. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes from God. And everything good that we have is from God. And so God is our glory. If you, uh, you don't have to turn there again, but John 15, John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5, 4 and 5, Jesus said to his disciples, Abide in me, and I in you. As the, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And that's such an encouraging thing, because, you know, you might think, oh, without Jesus, I can't do anything, so... That's, that would be, some people would see that as a negative, like all the people that don't have Jesus can't do anything. But the thing is, we do have Jesus. And with Jesus, we can do anything that he, that he wants us to do. The whole point of the encouragement of that is that we have Jesus. Without him, we can do nothing. With him, we can do anything. And that's what David was saying. He was saying, God is my glory. We don't have any glory in anything else. God is the only good thing in our lives. And just to think about that, it's so, it's so amazing how, how good God is and, and how everything that we can be thankful for is directly from him. So God is our glory. And then the last part of verse 3 says, The lifter up of mine head, the lifter up of mine head, and verse 4 says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. The lifter up of mine head, God is humble. You might be thinking, wait a second, all the glory goes to God. He's the creator of everything. He, uh, he's perfect. He's holy. How could you say God is humble? Well, God is humble because he hears our prayers. Amen. And uh, it's, he's humble enough. He condescends to listen to us. David said in verse 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. His voice is just like my voice and just like your voice. It's the voice of a human. It's the voice of a sinner. It's a pretty sad, pitiful voice compared to the voice of God. But God hears my voice. And that's wonderful. Um, Just to think that the Lord listens to my voice and he listens to it out of his holy hill. From heaven, God condescends to hear our prayers. And what a comfort that is and what peace it gives to know that God hears my voice just as it is. And I don't have to be any better. I don't have to be sinless. God hears my voice anyways. So God is humble. And when it's said in verse 3, the lifter up of mine head, I just think of the prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel that had a vision meeting with God in all of his glory 
and they fell down as dead before the Lord. Um, and in all these instances, God lifted up their head. God lifted them up and enabled them to stand in his presence. To be able to stand in God's presence is an incredible thing because nobody's worthy of that for sure. And so God is humble. He, he enables us to, to stand before his throne of grace. He hears our voice. He lifts up our head. In all of our shortcomings, we tend to hang our own head. It's very easy to be hard on ourselves and to look at that. But he paid for it all, and he enables us to stand before him. If you think about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come boldly before the throne of grace, and we can stand in his presence. With it. He lifts our head up, and he listens to our prayers. God is humble, and it's an incredible thing to realize that God will, God will listen to us and love us. And, you know, the most humble example that God gave was when Jesus was on the cross and being mocked and blasphemed, people saying, if you're the Savior, if you're the Christ, come down from the cross and save yourself. And he didn't speak a word to them. He didn't reply. He didn't, he didn't call down the angels to take him off the cross. Jesus stayed there. Imagine you being wrongly accused and the penalty is death and you don't say a word to defend yourself. And Jesus is the only person who really deserved to defend himself before all those people that were blaspheming him, the God of all the universe. God is humble. And it's a wonderful thing for us that God is humble. Verse number five says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. God is our sustainer. If you think about, think about God's sustenance, we always pray for provision. We think, give us this day our daily bread. And a lot of times, you know, David said he laid down and slept. And a lot of times we tend to lose sleep over the things of this life, like our finances and our job and making sure we can provide for ourselves and our families. We lose our peace over that. We lose sleep over that. But David was able to sleep because the Lord sustained him. If you think about it, really we don't need to worry about anything like that. God's sustenance is perfect, it's complete, and if we're his children, then we can absolutely trust in him to sustain us and provide for us. Matthew 6, chapter 6, verses 31 through 34, say, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In that verse it says, all, things shall, all these things shall be added unto you, like it's an afterthought. All these things shall be added unto you. It's first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added unto you. And so I just want to ask the question, is it an afterthought in your life? Obviously, we want to be responsible, take care of ourselves. But really, are we seeking first the kingdom of God? And what a comfort it is to know that all the things that we have need of, 
in this world physically and spiritually, all of our spiritual needs as well, are given by the sustainer himself, God. So God is our sustainer. We don't need to worry about being sustained. He's got us covered. Verse number six says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. God takes away our fears. God takes away our fears. Uh, We were singing um, Because He Lives, and the chorus, I believe, said Because He Lives, um, something along the lines of we don't need to fear. I don't remember the exact words at the moment, but we don't need to fear because Jesus lives. We don't need to fear because we have a God. You can think of so many situations in the Bible where people were faced with impossible circumstances, something they couldn't, they couldn't possibly get out of, but God's grace was enough for them. And God took the fear um, that they had and he replaced it with peace. Acts chapter 21, verse 13 says, uh, well, a little bit of a background. Paul was um, met by a prophet who told him that if he went up to Jerusalem, he would be bound. Um, he would be put in prison. And the other apostles and disciples were telling Paul, they were pleading with him, please, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. They're, they're going to hurt you. They're going to put you in prison. And Paul answered in verse 13, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul had such boldness. I just think of everywhere Paul went, he was sharing the gospel. Everywhere he went, he was faced with the Jews and other people that they stirred up that wanted to stone him or kill him in in some way or uh, make him decease from preaching in the name of Jesus. And he just kept on preaching. And he was ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And he didn't have any fear. Or if he did, God helped him to overcome that fear. So God takes away our fears. David was in the situation where thousands of people were against him, the whole nation of Israel. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but he came to the conclusion, I will not be afraid. We have stuff in our lives. We have, we have people in our lives. We have circumstances, health issues. We're facing a lot of chaos in our country, things that it's easy to be afraid of. But we have to remember the God that's over it all. And we have to remember that he can take away those fears and that we can have peace in the middle of this thing because God takes away our fears and there's no reason to have any fear when God is your God, when the God of the Bible is your God. Just like Paul, we can do the Lord's will and we can depend on the Lord to help us through and to protect us. So God takes away our fears. The last verse, uh, or actually verse 7 Verses 7 and 8, I'm going to read it here. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. There he is, calling upon the name of the Lord again, entering in the throne room of God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. God is holy. This is... It's been said, uh, I remember Pastor Rich Savatsky, he was preaching a message here a while ago, and he said the holiness of God is the hub of the wheel. It's what all the other attributes of God are centered on, and it's where they all come from. And God is holy. We talked about God's mercy, and 
how in the beginning of, of this, of this uh, psalm, David was saying there are people in his life that um, all, this, all, all the people that were against him and God had not uh, cast any judgment upon them as yet. He was being merciful for the time for those people. We talked about God's merciful, but God is holy as well. And God's holiness doesn't take away from his mercy, and his mercy doesn't take away from his holiness. And in God's holiness, he will recompense the people that are against us. And the Bible teaches us that we're to love our enemies. And we want all those people to get saved and to hear about the Lord and, to, and their lives to change, and they want them to be on our side. But in the end, we know that if they don't, that, that God is going to give them the recompense and if they do accept Christ as their Savior, then God uh, accepted that payment of Jesus Christ. And either way, God is holy. And the salvation of the Lord is something that the Lord paid for in His holiness. You see, because of God's holiness, He, he didn't just give us salvation as something that's, that's a gift that, that wasn't paid for. He didn't just say, all right, I forgive you, um, here's salvation. He paid for it with, with his very own blood. And that's how he, uh, it, the Bible says there's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And it's God's holiness that we can depend on for this salvation. And it's God's holiness that we can take comfort in for salvation. You think about uh, just the fact that it's, that it's a done deal and that our sins are totally washed away by the blood of Christ. There's such a comfort in that. And in fact, another aspect of God's holiness is that he cannot tell a lie. The Bible says that. He cannot tell a lie. And so we know that all his promises are true concerning us. And so we can take comfort in the fact that because God is holy, therefore he cannot lie. And because he cannot lie, therefore his promises will all come to pass. And therefore we can trust in his promises. God is holy so we can trust him. God is holy so we can have salvation. God's holiness is such a blessing and it's something that we need to think about more and to take comfort in that we are cared for in the holiness of God. So just to kind of go over the different things, um, once again, God is merciful. God is our shield. God is our glory. God is humble. God is our sustainer. God takes away fears. And God is holy. And all these things David realized were true in his life. And because of them, he depended on God. And many of you know that eventually the kingdom came back to David. Unfortunately, it didn't end as he wanted it to. Absalom ended up being killed. And even though Absalom was being David's enemy, it was, he was also his son. And David was very sad that Absalom had perished. But in the end, David got the kingdom back. He depended on God through the whole thing, and God provided for his needs. God helped him through it. God's mercy was enough for him. His grace was enough for him. God loved him through the entire thing. And David has had his ups and downs, but he knew the whole time that he could have peace in the Lord. And today we're living in a world that, that is saying peace, and there is no peace. And... It's just you turn this way and there's something um, that seems like an incredible issue that can never be overcome. And you turn this way and it seems like there are all these people that could never know Christ as their Savior because they just seem so lost. But we can find peace in Christ because it's not about us, it's about Him. 
And He's the enabler. He's the one that we can depend on. He's the one that gets things done in this world. And so we can have peace in the midst of troubled times. So I'm just going to pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this word uh, that He's um, just brought to my heart and that we've talked about tonight. And then uh, we'll be dismissed unless there are announcements. Dear God, uh, just thank you so much for your grace in our lives. And Lord, I know that I'm not worthy to um, be able to bring forth your word before your people, but I just pray that um, you would help them to think about uh, the Bible verses that we talked about tonight, to apply them to our hearts and lives, to search them out for themselves, for themselves in the scriptures, and just see if those things are so, and uh, live them out depending on you and, and trusting in you and having peace despite all the difficulties that we're faced with today. And we thank you so much that, that you're the giver of peace, the giver of life, that we can depend on you, and that you're the only one that, that can give salvation, and we have you in our hearts and lives, God. It's so good to be a Christian, and I just pray that you would help us as we go out for the rest of this week to uh, just serve you with our lives and, and to keep our minds focused on you. And thank you so much for blessing us tonight uh, with your word and, and in worship. And uh, please, Lord, be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.